So the scriptures, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who, are, who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who, who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens in God's people and are also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and risen to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so, um, <sighs> all right. So, uh, I, a bunch of us just got, well, not a bunch, there's three of us. I uh, just got back from our uh, denominational assembly in Calgary just yesterday. So, um, if I'm a little bit hard to follow, I'm going to blame that. Uh, so, there you go. Uh, a week ago on Friday, it was a very big day for me because I received... The new Zelda game, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, which despite its name is a source of great joy to me. Uh, it's the sequel to what I think is the greatest video game of all time, Breath of the Wild. So in the midst of a very busy week leading up to our denominational assembly, I, I found some pockets of time to immerse myself in the world of Hyrule, which is where this happens, the, the Zelda so non-gamers uh, will have to bear with me for a few moments. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Zelda. Uh, so both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom uh, are what gamer folk call open world. Open world means that the characters you play can go anywhere in the game they want. What makes gamers like me so elated with the two Zelda games is that you can explore a world filled with weird surprises. And you can do creative things. You can climb ridiculously tall mountains and play hide-and-seek with a forest sprite. You can follow an electric dragon down a hole. Or you can make a beehive boomerang. You can go wherever you want and be surprised by secrets and mysteries. What makes these games so fun is the joy of exploration. The fun of not understanding fully its inquiry and wonder. There are ways that I would argue that playing Zelda is like a spiritual discipline. 
Uh, so I'm a week into playing the game and I still don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm having fun doing it. And ever since uh, January, uh, for us, uh, for our sermons, we've been exploring the idea that God has welcomed us. In the season of Epiphany, we listened to texts from the Old Testament that showed God's welcome being extended in ever-widening circles. During Lent, we spent time listening to psalms that connected to Jesus' life and teaching, and we wondered about what they might show us about how God welcomed us through Jesus' journey to the cross. One highlight from that season for me was uh, Aaron Lottensenheiser's uh, reflection on Psalm 22, which is a particularly kind of bummer psalm, at least at the beginning. And he reflected about how it could possibly show, uh, relate to showing hospitality to people in our, uh, in, the, in our midst who are experiencing depression. It was a good reflection. Through Easter, we followed Peter around as he learned about how Jesus' resurrection created new possibilities for welcome and reconciliation. And now we are in Pentecost, which is why I'm wearing a red sweater. It's a short season uh, at the end of this particular, particular sermon series. So this is gonna, Pentecost is gonna wrap things up before we hit ordinary time. The main reason why we focused on God's welcome these past five months was that out of all the transitions of the last couple years, we distilled a re-articulated vision and values of our particular church community. The way we understand the vision of this community uh, is of this church is that it is a community that receives and extends the welcome of God. As we explored God's welcome as a community, we uh, this this past year we changed some better uh, some policies to better align with our understanding of how to extend God's welcome in the same way that we received it. Uh, for Pentecost we will be exploring uh, the surprising mystery of how God is extending welcome to all people through the work of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we'll be reflecting on a fami fairly familiar text, but I want us to try and enter into it in our Zelda playing mode. Uh, we will be reflecting on the text with a posture of inquiry and wonder. This is exploring. So I just got back from our denomination's assembly uh, last night, uh, so I assure you this is not going to be a very long uh, reflection. I'm, I'm a little bit tired. Uh, I'll try and provide uh, some general context to the passage we just heard uh, in a way that hopefully will help us connect uh, the passage to our community's particular season. Then we'll wander through the passage, noticing a couple weird surprises the text contains and some of the connections to my weekend at our denominational assembly. And we'll conclude with some space for uh, questions to wonder. So Paul's letter to the Ephesians is most likely what we call a circular letter, a letter that wasn't written to a specific person or group, but uh, was meant to be passed around wider. Unlike some of his other letters, in Ephesians, Paul doesn't address any specific local church controversies. He sticks to bigger and more general stuff. Paul's vocation is mostly located in extending the welcome of God to non-Jewish folks. The world that Paul is writing to is one that was fairly diverse. It's, a, it's cos cosmopolitan. Now, when you have people from very different cultures living in fairly close proximity, um, 
you tend to have uh, some problems. <laughs> um, uh, when people associate regularly, one of the frequent outcomes is actually a sharpening of distinctives, an emphasis on difference, and a policing of boundaries. Paul mentions a specific group who considered it their calling to police those boundaries. Paul addresses a group he calls the circumcision. I think that it's likely that marketing wasn't a high priority when the group was choosing its name. Uh, circumcision was one of the sharper distinctives of the Jewish identity, uh, though it actually wasn't unique to Jewish folks. Uh, one of the wildest lectures I ever had in my theological education was on the surprising diversity of circumcisions in ancient Near East. There are some slides that will never leave my brain from that lecture. Paul is particularly critical of this circumcision group because Paul had formerly been employed as a distinctive sharpener, a difference emphasizer, and a policeman of boundaries. Then he had a weird, mysterious encounter with Jesus and was transformed into an engineer tasked with dismantling the barriers that he had been creating and maintaining. One nuance I want to make, and I think it's important for us, uh, here is that not all boundaries and differences uh, um, are being erased by God. It's the boundaries and borders and lines that serve as barriers and walls between God and people uh, and the people that God loves that are getting smashed in this, po uh, this passage. Like, it's a beautiful part of being human to have distinct identities as individuals and peoples. So I just want to Keep that in mind. In Ephesians, uh, part of what Paul is writing about is the mystery that the non-Jewish people are being connected to God through the Jewish Messiah, through Jesus. And that's a weird and surprising thing in the particular moment that Paul was writing. Now in Zelda, whenever something weird or surprising shows up, your gamer heart is called to investigate that weird and surprising thing. And that, that inquiry is mostly joy. And Paul's gamer heart was called to investigate the glorious mystery that the non-Jewish folks were being welcomed by God through Jesus. This is what Paul is writing about in our passage. In verse, uh, verses 11 and 12, Paul brings the reader's attention to the surprise. He restates the mystery. The people who were once far off who were disconnected from God, who didn't believe in the Jewish God, who didn't see themselves as part of God's story, those far-off people were brought close. The question Paul is exploring is, how did the far-off people become so close? And the far-off people were brought close by Jesus. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God welcomed all people. This welcome wasn't created by people through elaborate rituals, moral living, or precise sharpening of cultural distinctives. God's welcome was created through the life of Jesus. This welcome was made possible by a God who desired people so much that he showed up as one of us to live and die and be risen again to new life. God showed up as one of us to welcome us into God's own life. And Paul 
is pretty excited about that. Paul is excited about the consequences of that journey from being far off to close. One of the consequences of that journey is that the animosity, the hostility that resides in the distance between people is destroyed when people are attached to Jesus. Paul is explaining that when Jesus welcomes people, when those people are brought close by God, they are brought close to one another. Reconciliation with God leads to reconciliation with one another. The barriers and hostilities that existed between peoples are dismantled by Jesus' death on a cross. This is a mystery that I don't really fully understand. And I hope to live into the joy of not fully understanding, of exploring that mystery. Now this past weekend was not all joy. There was some joy, but it wasn't all joyous. Our denominational assembly revealed a lot of hostility and barriers. There were such different understandings of what it means to be brought near, to be welcomed by Jesus. We spoke different languages, and we didn't understand one another. It was not an illustration of the Spirit's work at Pentecost, and I found myself wondering about what it means to believe and celebrate that God has made us one people while seeing our differences on such vivid display. It did not feel like we were following Jesus in preaching peace to the far and the near. It didn't, I didn't see many places where this passage that I was going to preach was being lived out. I don't understand why it's so difficult for people who are immersed in the story of God's welcome to journey together. I don't understand it. But I think there are some clues in our passage, and I think there were some clues at the assembly to how journeying together can be possible. Um, the last verse of our passage, Paul writes that in Jesus we're all being built into a home where God dwells through his spirit. We are in process. The home is being built. My weekend at the assembly really il illustrated that the home is not yet finished. But there were glimpses of what the work the uh, being done by the spirit. When I talked to other pastors about the actual ministry of our churches, there was some deep connection, even across the uh, political and theological divides. I had a pretty long conversation with a person who oversees youth and young adult ministry for our denomination, and he's a pretty conservative fella, someone I suspect politically and theologically is very far off from where I'm at. But he's a, very, he's a decent listener, and he's a kind person. And when we talked about the actual work of ministering to youth and what youth people are going through, boom, we were pretty close. And I could see the Spirit doing stuff. One of the places that God is building us into a dwelling for the Holy Spirit is in our shared work together. It's in the mission. This weekend was not an entirely encouraging experiences experience, but the times where I was experienced were the moments when I was hearing about what some of the work that was being done by seemingly very different peoples. I wonder if a way forward in our journeying with other Christians might be found in focusing on what God is doing right now and how we are participating in it. 
at the denominational level, there was some pretty, pretty cool stuff being done for food security. Um, I can tell you more about that another time. Um, I wonder what cool work is being done in our congregation that might be a way that we can grow closer to one another as we grow closer to God. In our text, verses 19 through 22 talk about being transformed from strangers into family. Strangers no longer, but God's own family. A family centered on and connected through Jesus. He's this uh, cornerstone. Jesus connects us to some pretty frustrating people, but like it or not, we are still connected. Uh, I stayed at an Airbnb. I don't like Airbnbs that much, but I stayed at one. I stayed at, uh, in Calgary, and there was another person in another room next to mine uh, who was also staying there, um, and he woke up at 4.30 and had a very loud morning routine. Uh, I was very frustrated with that because 4.30 Calgary time is 3.30 here time. So it was uh, absurdly early. But we were both welcomed into the same house. We were both shown the same hospitality. And I was thinking about that shared hospitality when some of my, they were mostly brothers, some of my brothers in Christ were grandstanding at the mic during assembly. I was getting a little bit frustrated. And I was thinking, there are so many people in this Jesus house that I don't find to be particularly great housemates. And yet, we're all welcomed and cared for by the same host. I think this Ephesians passage is one of two core identity passages for Grandview. There's the Jeremiah passage about seeking the peace of the city, planting gardens and such. And then there's this one. Reconciliation is a word that we've been reflecting on for a long time. It's not a new word for us. There are many places uh, where we long to see reconciliation and where it seems impossible. My experience at Assembly in Calgary is not at all unique. It's not unique today, and it wasn't unique at the time Paul was writing. Reconciliation seems impossible often. Bringing th two things together is harder than tearing two things apart. One of my delightful youth volunteers is Cody, and Cody isn't here today, so he's not here available to correct me on this. Cody is an engineer. He works in nuclear fusion, which is a sub subject that I am not an expert in. But Cody has graciously tried to explain it to me a few times. So the nuclear power we all know and mostly fear is nuclear fission. It's the power of breaking atoms apart. That's how the bombs and power plants work. There's a lot of energy to be harnessed by tearing things apart. I saw plenty of that energy at assembly. But fusion is taking two atoms and smooshing them together. That's a scientific word. Making one new thing. It's the power of bringing things together. And it's much, much, much harder to do than breaking things apart. It seems almost impossible, but not nearly impossible, which is why Cody has a job. It's why engineers are working on this. And fusion, fusion also has the potential to create much, much, much more power than fission. The power of bringing things together is 
bigger than pairing things apart. I think that's a pretty cool note on physics. The Holy Spirit is bringing people together. That is one of the powers of the Holy Spirit. Reconciliation might seem impossible, but God is at work. God is reconciling us to one another as we are each welcomed through, uh, through Jesus. We are building, being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. We are being built together. I think that's a pretty great way to end the passage. So we're going to end with a few minutes to ponder two wonder questions. I don't have any slides, but I'll just say them and, um, and we'll wonder them. So join me in wondering prayer. I wonder where in our congregation or neighborhood you long to see reconciliation. I wonder if there is some work or activity you sense the Spirit doing that you might join in. I'll end with a, a prayer from the beginning of Ephesians. Um, Paul writes, For this reason, I, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of his people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at uh, his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be, be evoked, not only in this age, but in the praise, but in the age to come. Amen.